0: Well, welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hi, I'm Tony. Uh, Glad to be back in the saddle here. It's good. And we have been teasing for a long time Mm -hmm. at the end of episodes that we would do a mailbag section. We've been calling our audience, please write in your questions or comments, and we'd like to address them on the show. Well, today is that day. You've done it. I, I have compiled, I've reached elbow deep into that digital mailbag and pulled out a few questions for around. us today. They are utterly unrelated to each other, Okay. in theory. Maybe we'll find a linkage. Wow. Uh, but yeah, just some
1: questions from our audience, you out there listening. Uh, so, so thanks for writing in. Yeah. Glad that we can interact with you. I hope that we are able to offer some interesting insights <laughs> to these questions. We don't claim to have answers to them necessarily. No. Right? i don't just another clarification this is not a teaching podcast per se it's an exploratory podcast Mm -hmm. right is that fair to say
0: absolutely like and i think we just to kind of restate what we're doing here uh like both tony and i went through periods of deconstruction of Mm -hmm. our faith and different experiences challenged some of our deeply held doctrines and beliefs and now we're on the other side of that, perhaps, of reconstructing and maybe like going into seasons of deconstruction again. It's just an ongoing part of our life now. So we yeah. ask a lot of questions. We don't always have a lot of answers, but I think we are getting closer to truth all the way through. Hope so. And at least remaining open to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's just kind of dive yeah, right into let's these. Let's see where it takes us. Uh, this is from Lisa. Okay. Uh, pretty brief little question, but it's on her mind. Did God create death or is death simply a byproduct of sin
1: because that's the that is the traditional Thank you Lisa for that question yeah, thanks Lisa I think that's the traditional line that's what I have thought for a long time the byproduct of sin part yep that yeah so tell can we what is the traditional here's, story here's the story you've got Adam and Eve in a garden named Eden it's para- Paradise. Uh, This is pre-fall. Nobody has ever committed a sin, which I guess is breaking God's laws or going against his instruction in some way, defying God, rebelling.
0: Wrongdoing? Or is that
1: too thin of a... Well, definitely in the Genesis account, it's like God gives a specific instruction, Mm. right? You can eat from any tree in the garden. Don't eat from that one one tree. There's one rule. One bloody rule. (laughs) And they go because that's what humans do and they investigate the thing that's been forbidden. Mm -hmm. They eat this fruit. And then at that point, it's like, Adam hides from God. God finds him and says, this is no good, what you've done. I'm going to be exiling you from paradise. And uh, there's some curses that are thrown around. There's some curses. Yeah, there's a few curses that are thrown around against humanity. And then one of them, is one of them death? Your days shall be numbered or something? I just pulled up Genesis 3. Because certainly... After the Noah account in Genesis 6, God shortens man's life from supposedly 900 some years down to 120. But right after the fall, it'd be nice to have a summary of what those curses are. But I think one of them is death. In, this, in the day that you will eat it, surely you will die. Something like that, God says. Right? That's
0: like that's the initial construction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but God
1: did say, you must not eat the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of God, and you must not touch it or you will die. Or you will die. And then he says... Send them out of the garden, lest they eat from the tree of life and live forever. Right? Something like that. Mm. And then when he does
0: pronounce the curse on Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. Mm -hmm. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Grim. Mm. Poetic.
1: So the idea there is everything was, is it paradisal? Paradisal? daisical what's the word i don't know um you know uh, what i'm saying yeah it's like paradise yeah until there is this wrongdoing introduced and then that's the fall and depending on how far you take that not only is man or humanity yep not only is maybe death introduced at that point but um for some who are of this ilk uh original sin the sin disease gets passed on from generation to generation oh man man is now condemned to live a life alienated from god Exiled from relationship with him, and and corrupted, morally corrupt, bankrupt because of what they've done. So it's interesting. Like,
0: there's this is I think I've been wrestling with this question for the past couple weeks. That's when we received it, and it's really complicated, and it 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 pulls on a lot of different filaments of theology.
1: For a short question,
0: yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, this may seem a little bit pedantic just like the annoying philosopher wants to define terms, but I think it could be helpful at this stage. Let's not go into the whole thing of like, what is God and how to think of that. Just mm-hmm. use whatever concept comes to mind for God. Mm-hmm. Let's just hone in on what death is. Like when we're asking, did God create death? Well, what exactly are you talking about? And we'll try to weave it into this Genesis story perhaps, but yeah. I think what you would normally think of is the physical body dying that's what i mean by death typically Mm -hmm. that's how we use it all the time like my uncle ceases to be animated my uncle died well what you yeah or in what sense um why think that abraham lincoln is not alive right now Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and maybe you do like his soul has lived on let's put that aside for just a moment but whatever is buried in the ground somewhere why are we saying that that is not alive like you're like it's obvious the the body isn't functioning like it should be, or yep. the material aspects that made up his body are no longer working, yep. they're
1: the, defunct. The they're... blood has stopped pumping, the lungs have stopped breathing, the brain has no activity in it. I actually don't know how
0: fast decomposition yeah, happens. at this
1: point it's a skelly, right? Is he? I, I would think so, man. I,
0: yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say either way okay. for fear of Okay. <laughs> I
1: imagine ignorant. it happening within a hundred years, but I could be wrong. Hmm. For the flesh to rot off, yeah. Take that okay, we, we, yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah, you got me. Um <laughs> So yeah, so we would call him dead. I think that's fair. That's what we mean by dead.
0: And there is a lot of debate in the philosophical literature about when exactly death occurs, and it, it makes oh, it, yeah. it matters a great deal because on the flip side of that is when is something alive? What yeah. counts as something being alive?
1: And and if you're keeping somebody on life support and yeah. you need to make a decision, yep, it's important to know like. When What do we call this line of life and death?
0: But where we were talking earlier in the garage while we were lifting, and I don't know how much hangs on like where exactly we draw the line for mm-hmm. death for this question. Yeah. Let's say it's when the heart stops. And this is for human death, right? Mm-hmm. You have to make that caveat, too.
1: In what you're about to define, sorry.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, plant death might be a lot different. Yeah. But you might say, like, a human being dies when the heart stops working, or is it when my brain stem is no longer working, or higher brain death, or frontal lobe, like Mm -hmm. when someone has a lobotomy. I don't know if you've seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I haven't. But that's um, a main theme in that story. The main character, at the end, ends up getting a lobotomy. Oh, really? The Jack Nicholson's character, full of life. They bring him back. He's a potato after they lobotomize him, and his friend... Uh, kills him with a pillow
1: to put him out of his misery
0: yeah but the question is like did he it's a intriguing was he already dead yeah yeah maybe he did so the friend did the friend murder i'm forgetting the name of the main character but so interesting questions that's all like where do we draw the line when a person or someone dies um well actually well now that brings in this other distinction of physical death Mm -hmm. when the body dies versus personal death and for the, the atheist or agnostic or something, they probably usually think those two coincide. That whatever you are as a person, your identity, when that ceases to exist, that's personal death. And for those of us that might think there's an afterlife and my soul lives on or whatever I am, then I don't personally die when I physically die.
1: No, it would mean... The extinguishing of your soul or mind or something.
0: So when we get to this question from Lisa, did God create death? Well, are you talking about physical death or are you talking about personal death? Mm -hmm. Because and now and here again, we're just kind of shooting from the hip and thinking out loud. Um, It's not I I am not immediately convinced that there is personal death Mm -hmm. at all. Right. For anybody. Right. I just don't know that for sure. Yeah. In fact, it would it's a very narrow band of theologians in the annihilationist camp where the view would be that after you die, perhaps the final death instead of an eternal conscious torment, mm-hmm. hell rather your personhood is annihilated. Yeah. And that's what it means to be separated from God for eternity because Seems you something. just don't exist you anymore. anymore. So in that scenario, someone underwent personal death but most of the other views uh religious views have
1: have it that everyone lives forever even if there's heaven and hell whatever that is eternal conscious torment it's at least conscious Mm -hmm. you know yeah so i don't i guess as i sit
0: here now i would say that god did not create personal death at least maybe not yet that is not a thing that we know for sure happens the right. atheist would push back and say of course it happens it happens when your body dies and your brain stops working that's all there is to being a person. Yeah. Okay, fine. And we can want we don't want to get too far afield in all those philosophy of mind objections, but
1: yeah, I I do wonder like when I look at especially predation in the animal kingdom, hmm. it does seem like a grim business. You know, it doesn't scream to me beauty and majesty of God when you see a lion tearing apart a baby gazelle. Nature red and tooth and claw. Right. Doesn't scream out. It actually really upsets me to watch that for whatever reason. Like emotionally, I mm. really struggle to watch. I know some people love to watch animal fights on YouTube and whatever. It really upsets me to watch that. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just emotionally upset. Like unstable. to watch
0: a gazelle being yeah, taken down by don't a lion like it. and it's kind of screaming out.
1: Doesn't that upset you? It's <laughs> horrifying, dude. Yeah, no. I hate it. I hate that. So it has begged the question. But I'm me. okay
0: with the logic of it, I think, of that's what's going on yes so i don't feel the moral need to prevent it i'm not donating
1: any money right now right to preventing gazelle death from lions well no and i'm not convinced um that we should although it upsets me emotionally i do understand that i participate in eating things that are dead like everything i eat dies when i eat it if Mm -hmm. it's alive when i eat it you know not animals but like plants or whatever it will die as it goes through my digestive system it's like for me to survive, it's necessary that something else dies. That seems to be the the way this system works. Like it's baked in.
0: And just to be really, I don't, I don't mean to push against, like the conservative, traditional views so mm. intently, but it does leave a lot of questions. If you were to really take on that view, let's just let's just go into this thought yep. experiment. Yep. Like you were bringing up Genesis one through three. If we're, I don't think that's what we should be doing with the story, but. You're taking it super literally. Eden was this real place, and there was this time when there was never any wrongdoing, and apparently no death. No I mean, predation, apparently. No predation. So, like, I, I've heard some people come to the defense of it, where lions and tigers, or whatever, had herbivorous sets of teeth.
1: Yeah, and that upon <laughs> sin they sharpened. They sharp. The world just got a little more M- malicious.
0: Maybe that's how it's, it happened, or like. It's just tough to imagine that being a real place that makes any sense at all. Like even the physics of it. Yeah. You can imagine before the fruit snake incident with the tree and the fall that aren't there like rocks in Eden and Adam could like trip Stop over his own feet and yep. like fall and hit his head on the rock. And Well,
1: yeah, there's this. I don't know how many of you are Simpsons fans, but there is a Simpson episode, a clip at one point where like homer and marge are playing adam and eve in the garden and homer like dives off this waterfall and lands horrifically on a rock and you hear his spine crunch and everything he lays there for a second and then he just kind of gets up and goes about his business because it's eden and nothing bad can happen in eden right but that does seem absurd it seems like there were probably still if if that whole eden place is real it probably was cliffs that adam could have jumped off what would have happened if he did or fallen off
0: well just that even that little cartoon puts pressure on yeah. the notion that this was ever a real state of affairs yeah. in the world that like things would ma- you like falling wouldn't
1: ever hurt you yeah. or you couldn't die from I don't know. And I think of it I mean they obviously if they had would have had to eat so Again, just going back to the eating thing, whether it's plants or whatever, something's dying yeah. if they're digesting.
0: Or think of, I mean, examples abound. I mean, you could yeah. come up with thousands of examples of different species that would be harmful to human beings, like a venomous spider. Mm-hmm. Could that have bitten Adam pre-sin right. and killed him?
1: I don't know. That's, or is it I, was it post-fall that things like scorpions and spiders came into being?
0: Well, I don't... I don't Is think, anyone out there saying that? I don't think people want to say that either. Yeah, but I don't feel comfortable at all saying that. Like, so uh, once Adam sinned, then God went in and like tweaked the made some monster the genome of like, oh, here's a spider. Let's dial up the the venom, the toxicity of its venom for human beings. It's just really bizarre. Yeah. So I'd rather not. I think there's other literary reasons to not take the story that way. But even when you entertain. For yeah. a few moments, what it would actually be like. It's hard to really embrace it mm-hmm. rationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know if the Genesis story taken that way really helps answer the question did God create death? Yeah. Um, now, here's another way of tackling it. Uh, and maybe we're getting too far afield here, but um, just the notion of creation also. Uh, in virtue, any if if there is a God and God's a creator, then anything that exists is at least allowed by God. It's part of what He made. It's part of His permissive will. He's yeah. willed it to be or allowed it to be. And death is one of those things that occurs. So God is clearly okay with it in the sense that He is allowing it. It happens. It ha- there maybe there's some grander purpose afoot, mm-hmm. but it is being allowed now. Is it fair to say then that he created death? Um, you brought up an interesting point earlier in the garage as well that maybe it's just part of what it means to bring life into existence, mm. that there is this other flip side like, of the coin.
1: Like two sides of the same coin, life and death go hand yeah. in hand. I don't know. Yeah. Or that he, it would be strange if, if, if God had created a system in which when... When and only when wrongdoing occurs, then death happens. You know, or is it, or is that notion some metaphysical law that exists eternally alongside God that, that sin equals death always, right? Or is that a a rule of the universe? I've heard God that. Wrote def- in?
0: I've heard that defense too, like taken from Romans, I think 6:23 for the wages of sin is death, mm-hmm. and that's some like you just said, some metaphysical bedrock foundational principle at play in the world that can't be violated when you sin death then occurs so and just to be clear like are you saying that god is beholden to that and so he he had to dole out the punishment of death if someone sinned or i just don't know if that's the right way to read that verse either you know it's um takes a yeah anyway there's different ways to interpret that and what paul might have meant by wages and death and how we normally translate those words Mm -hmm. Uh, so Lisa, I don't know if that's helpful. I think that's all I have for that right yeah, now. I certainly don't have a very clear answer on it, but I think you can see how, and I apologize if it was kind of all over the place, that response, but I think it highlights the fact that even simple little questions like that pull on a lot of different like areas of your worldview as yeah. a Christian, your biblical interpretation, what you think of primordial history, what you think about the nature of God and creation and afterlife and what happens when we die. It's all related. So it's really complicated. Um, But good question. Yeah. Good to be thinking about. Uh, John wrote into the show. Thanks, John. And he asked this. Let me read it verbatim. What are your views on liberal theology? What is your understanding of what liberal theology is? How does it relate to other forms of theology? Including systematic theology, biblical studies, church history, and practical theology. Are there underlying tenets of these theological approaches that are com- compatible? Are some theological approaches more desirable or more consistent with your view of epistemology?
1: Wow. What a well formed question, mate. Yeah. Bloody great. Well, how
0: to go about that one? Uh, do you have any initial thoughts when you hear that? Well,
1: first time I heard that, I had not, I wasn't familiar with liberal theology being labeled as such I mean after diving into it the concepts Mm -hmm. became familiar or were familiar but I I wasn't familiar with that as a label um yeah so I'd be curious what exactly he's including in that I guess yeah well he's asking what is your understanding of what liberal theology is apparently very little John I don't have much understanding of what liberal theology is but if you pull out specific items from that junk drawer, uh, we'll probably be familiar with them.
0: Well, let me try to give us, take a stab at it. Um, I would view, so liberal is typically contrasted with conservative. Yeah. And what's, what would be conservative theology? Well, I would suppose it's like the main doctrines and creeds laid out at these various church councils, the widely accepted view. I don't know if we necessarily want to say that that's, maps on one-to-one that like popular and conservative versus fringe and liberal Mm -hmm. that doesn't always happen that way but uh the traditional view um maybe this yeah the collection of beliefs like sovereignty of god divinity of jesus inerrancy of scripture um i'm Hmm. sure there's other ones yeah um the depravity of man or like just these classic doctrine. I would view that as like the conservative collection. And then liberal theology is maybe coming along and asking critical questions about those traditional doctrines, maybe giving new interpretations of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when particularly what I found really interesting, how does it relate to other forms of theology, systematic biblical studies, church history. Well, I think each of those are defined on their own terms and can be done in a conservative or liberal approach. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I would suppose that a liberal theologian, uh, when it comes to systematic theology, which is the attempt to answer these big questions about I mean any religion has its systematic theology that you could do mm-hmm. and I'm going to come up with a doctrine of man, a doctrine of god, a doctrine of the holy spirit, a doctrine of religious text, cover it all. Doctrine of the afterlife and I'm going to use data from any kind of biblical passage that I think is relevant to build it, yeah. To build a cumulative case for each of these things and yeah, I guess a liberal theologian might come to the table with different assumptions than a conservative one and thus would lead to different outcomes. Right. I don't know if that's helpful at all, but Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Do you think one approach is more healthy than the other? Cause like I've been thinking I don't know. I just don't know how helpful those sort of labels are. I, I get that these issues are intertwined, the various doctrines you just mm-hmm. mentioned are sort of like there's a Venn diagram going on where how you think about one has a ripple effect for how you think about another. But I sort of think about each of these areas as a a spectrum of really interesting ideas. Are you saying that liberal theology is more of a a tactic of approach, like how you're asking these kinds of questions, where you're looking for your answers, maybe?
0: Yeah, man. Let me me try again. Um, I think one notion, just with the term liberal, in this context and in the political realm, is this notion that we don't have to be, we don't have to be, and we ought not be tied down always to the beliefs of the past. Okay. Yep. And so being liberal means maybe like trending toward openness or, um, being willing to sub out old beliefs for new ones that on when new evidence arises, I want to be uh willing to expand the boundary of my thinking and stuff now that sounds like maybe kind of uncharitable toward the conservative right but it, it's just a stance it's a posture the conservative would not want to change those things unless there's like just really extremely good evidence there's something inherently valuable about it being part of the tradition. Mm-hmm. this is the way we've thought about this And what's tricky is when it comes to topics of these of great importance like in the religious, realm there's this whole camp of thought where like well you wouldn't want to change your beliefs about this stuff because we've we figured out the right answer a while back right and so the conservative stance is kind of or, is orthodoxy it's the we right fa- stance we found yeah. out orthodoxy the right correct doctrines and so liberal theology is seen to be a threat or a direction in the move toward a heterodoxy or heresy mm-hmm. um wow yeah so that's where I think like someone might think of liberal theology as dangerous mm-hmm. because we have these truths once delivered to the saints and it's our job to protect them. Yeah, Maybe the liberal theologians come along and saying, oh, well, I'm not so sure that like we had it all figured out at those councils or the church fathers. And so it's worth thinking we, we need to continually rethink these big topics for our context, our cultural context and how we can apply that. In our lives, in every in every generation, yeah. Um, so I think it's just a difference. St- I think you would, I think you would want both of those kind of thinkers, like on your team at a church,
1: even, yeah, or in and a seminary, hopefully in dialogue with each other, yeah, like I, charitable dialogue.
0: I want someone who just is an absolute badass scholar and knows the the church history and the church fathers, and here's what we've thought for thousands of years. Yeah, you should be really careful about like jumping ship and changing what you believe on this, Mm because we have a lot of documentation of people having these same conversations. Nothing's new under the sun. Right, We've had these conversations before. But I also want someone who's willing to push the envelope and ask tough questions, not to just embrace something because you've always thought it or just embrace dogma. Because
1: someone told you. So I... That's good, man.
0: I think in my best moments, I don't want to put any normative spin to conservative or liberal. Mm. There are different postures toward belief, acquisition, and holding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One is more uh, willing, more open handed. One is a little more closed. Yeah. And that's, I don't think either of those are bad. There are good reasons to be in either camp. Man, that's such a great answer. Oh, thanks. I
1: think so. (laughs) Hopefully John thinks so. Uh,
0: so, That's good, man. Yeah, John, let us know if that uh, addressed what you were thinking there. Uh, Stephen also wrote into the show, and Stephen asked this. He said, is God disappointed when we choose our will over what he thinks is best? Is
1: God disappointed?
0: Is God disappointed in me when I choose my own way versus God's way?
1: Oh, not to get weird and like, like you said, defining terms and stuff. What do we mean by disappointment? Yeah, it's yeah. Because like I means. do, I do kind of think that, I think that God can suffer. I think that God can experience like s- grief, sadness, hmm. brokenheartedness over. I don't know. You, wouldn't you? Doesn't that make sense for a loving God? Like if He sees, I don't know, child abuse happening or something. You would want the kind of God that heart, whose heart breaks when he sees that yeah and i think that's what we see in jesus as well um that he's capable of compassion he's capable of sorrow um but disappointment has just a little bit of a different texture to it because yeah, disappointment has the sense of like boy i expected more of you mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of con just a little bob of condemnation in there maybe um i think so that's how it typically plays out yeah yeah. For someone to say, I'm disappointed in you... I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Oh, man. Well, you know what it means? Disappointment, I think, is when you expect something, and then reality doesn't match up with what you expect.
0: Yeah, just it. literally the word... to what a uh, means. ...to to, a point, to <laughs> will it, to <laughs> desire it. Uh, I decree that this will happen, but dis that. It's against it.
1: <laughs> to disappoint right? it,
0: yeah. So that... In one sense, it doesn't have to be emo- emotive at all, just... I've been disappointed, yeah, by the world. the world has not lined up with my expectation. the world is disappointed, but the way we say it, how that word it obviously carries with it this cultural connotation of a negative emotion mm-hmm. right It'd mm-hmm. be, right yeah a,
1: a or, uh, or uh, you wouldn't uh, yeah. it's never laced with positive
0: <sighs> so I'm disappointed. so disappointed right now
1: <laughs> right, and certainly if if somebody has disappointed you, there is a sense that like I have an issue with you like we're not okay in some way right oh. don't you think or is that not baked in
0: I don't know I don't I'm
1: not sure yeah well I guess it gets to
0: I have displeasure toward you yeah does it carry that because I want to I, say I, I, I'll just admit just in total honesty I, I have some children I have said that before to them yeah and I have man I feel bad maybe I shouldn't feel bad saying it but yeah i was trying to indicate that i'm not as pleased with you because you
1: have done this well it's an honest reporting of how you feel yeah so the question is does god also feel that way with us
0: um like he left out he did not put the marker cap back on the marker we just bought new carpet and now (laughs) the carpet has colored marks on it from the goofy markers
1: that's disappointing
0: and i said son i am disappointed in you for leaving the markers out i you were told not to but then you did yeah. And now you've ruined our,
1: our yeah, belongings. And I'm sure he immediately burst into tears. Yeah. 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 So, well, okay, if going back to the expectation thing... Have I done a bad thing? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I'm tell learning. The, tell the truth, or at least don't lie. So yeah. I don't know. But going back to the expectation thing, does God expect us to act one way and then be, and then he's surprised when we act a different way? And is he's... Confronted with disappointment, boy, I really thought Clint was going to handle that better. Right, I'm kind of disappointed.
0: Well, good. Another case where these can get into very small questions. Deep yep, conversations about the nature of God and the nature of is time. God omniscient? Uh, does He know all things? Well, okay, maybe, but only the things that are knowable. Are future events genuinely knowable? This is like the open theist. Yep. Um, worry. So, yeah, but. I don't want to come across as like the loosey-goosey, maybe like too liberal of a theologian. Like, no, God always loves you. Never disappointed. Only positive vibes going out. (laughs) I can see like why someone, that might leave a sour taste in someone's mouth just because it's
1: it's totally unrelatable in a way. It's not very human. It's like, that's not how we interact with the world and with each other.
0: And you might wonder like, there might be justified moments of disappointment. Like I've been let down. You're and there's even a way to spin. Well, OK, let me try this way. Yeah, there's a way to spin disappointment to what um, what it does indicate that the person sees something virtuous in you. Uh, like I expected
1: you didn't live up to your potential. Yeah, there's a way to you're better than this.
0: There's a way to communicate disappointment in a way that leaves hope and affirmation in there.
1: Along with just a little bit of shame. Just a little bit. But maybe appropriate shame. You know what? I didn't live up to my potential there. Yeah, I don't know if it's a shame. Ca- it's a just... calling to a better way of being. Yeah, a recognition
0: that... I just want you to know that like, in case you were confused, like, what you did wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's done in a very passive-aggressive way where obviously the person knew that they shouldn't have done that mm-hmm. and so like just so you know you you've done bad like all right yeah, guy yeah. i got it yeah but like in the case of my child i don't i don't know if luke sorry i just that's his name dis- disambiguized it um <laughs> that i don't know if he knew the, uh, like remembered that rule about the marker mm-hmm. and was really taking it seriously i'm like oh just so you know like this was the expectation
1: and it's upsetting
0: yeah um so and, you know, just trying to mm. salve my own parenting wound but so I definitely
1: is, want to avoid the notion that God ever is um, angry with you. Well, or or at least that he sort of stands with arms folded and and rejects you at a distance. Like mm-hmm. I do want to say that God's arms are always open that reconciliation is immediately available the moment like the moment you screw up in some way. There's not like um mm-hmm. reparations that need to be made before you can be in relationship with him again. Right. But
0: yeah. And it's almost like I just far be it from me to declare on a podcast that I have a full grip on the mental life the of mind, God, the mind of God. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> sure, maybe he is disappointed and, and it's of the holy variety. You know. <laughs> right. Whatever I was trying to articulate with noticing the virtue in some I think if God is disappointed, it's in such a way that it's for your good and for your better end. Yeah. And like you're saying He's not holding you at bay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I uh, want to wrap up with this one. Okay. It's not really a question, just a comment. Okay. Oh, uh, from Krista. Uh, Krista, thanks for writing this in. It um, really brought joy to my heart. Oh. So Krista said, thank you for what you're doing, listening to these podcasts and reading your blog posts. I found some measure of peace and relief and a lot of insight in the midst of a storm of spiritual questions. Mm which my husband's intelligent and insatiably curious mind brought into our life. <laughs> Thank you for communicating that it is okay to question. I find I am drawn to adopting a new perspective on the biblical text, but this leaves me wrestling with a lot of confusion. Yeah. Uh, me too. Yeah, join yeah. the club. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, Krista, for that. It means a lot. Um, that's kind of our hope for this podcast, that we are demonstrating... Uh, willingness to wade into some deep waters it's okay like God's not gonna strike you dead for asking a question about um, like these long-standing doctrines. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not trying to totally m- you know misalign the or malign sorry yeah the conservative approach by any means or t- the traditional one. I want them to be in conversation with each other. And we're doing this while we're on staff at a church, doing ministry in real time with real people that have these questions that we're working with.
1: Um, I think the big thing that we are hoping this podcast communicates is that if you're going through some kind of deconstruction, like you're not alone in that. You're not weird for doing that. Like there's plenty of people who are going through it and who like aren't just ready to abandon the whole Jesus project. Like there's so much good there that we love and want to salvage. But we man, we got some tricky questions about some of these doctrines. Um and so I'm glad that this podcast has been helpful for you as yeah, like you said, as we wade into some of those issues. And again, don't claim to have the answers. Like we're on a journey. I think I think I will always have questions. Um I don't think I'm actually going to figure it all out Mm -hmm. before I die. There will be some things that are left a mystery. In uh, fact,
0: that's what the opposite of that posture is what led me to my deconstruction journey. Oh, so I went, about that. I went to seminary, and I found out that no one was really asking good questions. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's maybe a bit of a stretch, but um, I just felt like they wanted to deposit this information into my mind and not really teach me how to think, or mm. let's really get to the bottom of this and figure out, um, maybe some other interesting nuances going on. Um, yeah. So I want to be a corrective force in the world than what, how I experience my biblical pastoral training. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for adding that in. Christa. Yeah. Appreciate really it. good. <laughs>
0: uh, so yeah, if you enjoy this episode, if you dig what we're doing, we'd love for you to support us in the best way to do that. Uh, is to share on social media. Tell your friends about it, like if you're in or in your faith or church community. Yeah, if there's someone going
1: through a similar journey, yeah, absolutely.
0: Passable, we'd love to not only like have them consume the content and watch what we're doing, but it, just have them reach out to us. We're more than willing to like have a conversation yeah. or set something up Um, just so, because I know it can be feel really isolating. Yeah. And like no one else is going through this stuff, so. We yeah, have, or if anybody knew are, what I
1: think, boy, I'd be rejected from this subculture or whatever. Right? You know? mm-hmm. You've got a home here at yep. Open to Truth. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, so you can reach us at Open to Truth podcast at gmail.com. and be sure to uh, visit the website too and sign up for the blog. Just Throw your email in. Uh, that comes out every week around Wednesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. and just kind of like, if you enjoy writing, then we dive into these topics through yeah. writing as well. So. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for
1: joining us. Stay curious.